You found the Digging Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Don't forget, you can help out the show by leaving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can go to help us out. Just go to patreon.com slash Island. Also, we invite you to join us on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow the show at Digging Oak Island. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another show of the Digging Oak Island podcast. Um, we've got a great interview with you coming up in just a few minutes. I'll tell you more about that in a second, but I want to start off the show with what I uh, just added there to the intro, which is that we now have a Patreon. Let me tell you a little story. This summer, it was really kind of up and down whether or not I'd actually continue this podcast beyond last season, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I want to keep doing it. It only has to do with the fact that time starts to run short here in my weeks as I'm now DJing for a radio station, plus I have my normal jobs and I've got a kid at home and all that kind of stuff. Um, I do other podcasts and many other podcasts that I do uh, and that I've done over the years is basically like this. We put on a Skype recorder, we put on a garage band, something along those lines. We sit down in front of microphones and we record. It's basically just a live thing. doesn't take any more time than it takes to sit down and talk about what you want to talk about. It's that simple. This show isn't that. <laughs> this show involves, well, first of all, it involves an hour or more of watching a television show, a show I usually watch twice to be able to talk about it with a little bit more authority. Then it takes research. It takes writing. Oftentimes, the last year, I kind of chopped the writing down a little bit. I thought that was pretty helpful. Um, but still, it's a very difficult and um, time. It's not, I shouldn't say difficult. It's incredibly fun. It is a labor of love for sure. But it's time consuming. And as we all know, I mean, time is money, right? And uh, so I went down the path of advertising for a while. And I don't want to blabber too much about this, but. You're all friends now, so I'll tell you what I'm thinking. We went down the uh, the the path of advertising, and that's a difficult path to get down. And listen, the big boys really kind of gobble that all up, right? The the podcasts that are from networks or something like that with big stars, they that's where all the podcast advertising dollars go now. So a few of you, a few listeners, more than one, suggested a Patreon. Uh, so that you guys could actually be the people helping to fund this program. So that's what I set up. Uh, it's brand new. It's a $5 a month thing. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash digging Oak Island, um, and you could do that all on there. Uh, and I'm starting it off like that because, you know, honestly, I don't really know how to go with this. I know a lot of shows start their Patreons with a lot of premiums and exclusive content and all that stuff. I, guys, I don't have time for exclusive content, right? I don't have time to make an entire another podcast for just the Patreons. And I also don't really like that idea. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of this being out there for everyone, even with a passive interest in Oak Island to listen to and enjoy. Um, 
I mean, I, there's there's message boards and things on there that I absolutely will be commenting on. I already have. I might uh, hit those things up live during the shows as we're watching it, if that's something of interest to you. But basically, kind of give me your feedback. Anybody who becomes a patron or wants to be, should there be other tiers? Should there be other ways to do this? Tell me what you want. Get involved with this. If you want to become a patron, I really would appreciate that. Um but also, if you just want to listen, man, I appreciate that too, right? So uh, it's it's a difficult thing. I think you guys guys kind of understand where I'm going with this. Anyway, patreon.com slash digging Oak Island. Um, you can also, if you have any ideas, like I said about it, just message me on, on Facebook or on Twitter or email us, digginoakisland at gmail.com. Okay, that's enough of that. Please, if you can help, it's incredibly appreciated by myself and my family. Uh, anyway, moving on. We have a new show coming up, the new season starting the first week of November, so we only have a couple of more episodes to go before we finish up our off-season. I was hoping to take a little break before the start of the season. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, because I got this show here and then two more after this planned already. One is an interview, and one is going to be catching up on all the off-season emails that I have. So if you want to get anything in before the season starts, any predictions or what comments you have or anything like that, feel free to do so. Dig in Oak Island at gmail.com or on the social media. Just go to Facebook or Twitter, put in Diggin' Oak Island on your search bar, and we'll come up, give us a like there or a follow, and you can always contact me through there. Okay, and like I said, we have an interview today, we have an interview for next week, and then we'll do that a couple weeks from now, so you got some time to do that. All right, the last thing I want to mention is we actually had what I would call new Oak Island content this past week. That's right. We had a new show. It was one of these top 10 best of shows uh, a lot of people complain about those. I like any Oak Island content I can get. And this was like the top 10 Templar, uh, not finds, but connections or something like that, where they basically trying to connected the Templars in 10 separate ways uh, to Oak Island. It was sort of a weird concept and didn't really work in my mind for connecting the Templars to all this. But the interesting thing is this. We've had other of these shows in the past. In fact, we had one where it was the top 25 theories, right? And at that time, the number one theory had nothing to do with the Templars. It was this founding father thing. So is the team and are Prometheus planning on bringing the Templars even more into the show this year? Is that what we can take out of this? I don't think that's a far stretch to say. I think we might be talking some more Templars this year than we have in the past. Anyway, okay, let's get to this week's show. I have on today geologist Gordon Fader. He is a um, co-author of the book The Oak Island Mystery, uh, The Oak Island Mystery Solved, The Final Chapter. You can get it anywhere you get your books. Uh, if I remember, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Amazon thing, um, to an Amazon link so you can buy it yourself. This is a fascinating book. Now, you could call Gordon Fader and Joy Steele skeptics. But I don't do that. I don't think they're skeptics. Skeptics believe there's nothing there and nothing happened. Everything was natural. That's a skeptic, right? That's not what these guys are. They don't believe there's a treasure down there, but they certainly do believe in some sort of what we would call secret, clandestine, unknown event happening on Oak Island. And uh, so I think a lot of people kind of come after them as if they're, you know, skeptical, as if they're saying none of this is true, nothing. That's not what they're doing. What they're doing is something completely different. 
we got some great information in this interview. And I think I'm going to explain right as the interview starts that one of the goals I wanted to wanted to accomplish in this interview was I didn't want him to give the book away. Listen, we're all in this business together. He doesn't, it doesn't behoove him to tell you what's everything inside this theory. You got to go out and read it. And I would absolutely recommend you do so. This is a 200 page book with a lot of, (laughs) excuse me, interesting information about some things that you might think are givens that maybe aren't givens in the Oak Island story. Anyway, this is a fascinating interview. I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, I applaud Mr. Fader for all of the time and effort he's given to the Oak Island fandom uh, and on social media, on podcasts like this. I can only imagine he's taken a lot of abuse for this, um, and I really thank him for coming on. He is a wonderfully uh, friendly and incredibly generous person when it comes to uh, giving his time and his expertise to not only the Oak Island fandom, but to people like me who are um, trying to explore a little bit further. So without further ado, we'll hear the beach a bit here. And then when we come back, it's my interview with geologist Gordon Fader, the author of the Oak Island Mystery Solved, the final chapter on Digging Oak Island. Okay, joining me now is the co-author of Oak Island Mystery Solved, the final chapter, Gordon Fader. Dr. Gordon Fader, is that what we call Oh, but I'm a professional registered geologist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I, uh, if I downgraded you already. Um, I, I thank you so much for joining us. This is a fascinating read, and one of the things I'm going to try to do here for you guys listening is I'm going to try to ask him questions knowing that he's not here to give the book away. That right, that your job as listeners and as researchers of Oak Island is to read everything you can, including something as important as this work is. Um, so I'm going to try to ask him some questions. Maybe it's best that you read this first if you want to do that kind of thing. You can certainly do so. Um, but we're going to plow ahead with that in mind. That if you you know if you don't want to answer a question because you want us to pay to read the book like I did, uh, then we invite you to do so. So, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but before we even get into any of that, I've got a couple of things I want to mention to you. First of all, I just want to commend you uh, on your bravery when it comes to social media and engaging with this Oak Island community. Mm-hmm. You're not a person who believes that the Knights Templar came there to bury the Ark of the Covenant. I think that's a safe assumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yet you still engage on all of these platforms. And if you're a fan of Oak Island, you know Mr. Fader because he has done that, where he puts everything out there and engages and answers questions, regardless of whether it's a hostile environment to do so or not. I mean, I think social media is always a hostile environment, but I just want to commend you for that. And, and ask you how that's been. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, um, it's been a mixed bag. It's been difficult at times when people have actually said they're uh, coming to get me and have given us personal mm. threats. And that's not easy to take. Uh, but the bottom line is, I mean, I'm born in Nova Scotia and raised here, and I've uh, right. been educated here. And I understand the, the geology of the region and that, that story of Ocon has been around my whole life and, and many others. 
and I want the truth out there. I want science to dominate the agenda, and I want uh, historical facts to dominate the agenda. And uh, so we took a completely different approach in our book, as, as you well know. We didn't start off with there's treasure there. We started off, okay, let's go back to square one and see what the evidence is. Is the evidence valid? toss out which cannot be uh, qualified and then move on from there and uh, see what we come up with and uh, we've got a lot of material in that book yeah you probably got to read that several times to get to the, the details of what we found and, and we're quite content with our discovery we'll I'll stake my career on it that uh, there's no question about it there's absolutely no treasure on the island and it and uh, there may have been a small box buried 10 feet down or five feet down on the hill at one time as there right. are probably many islands but not the broad concept of a of a deep hole with that with the treasure buried at great depth uh, by some uh, international outfit there's just too much activity gone on the island to be a boat full of people it needed to be like 20 boats full of people and a couple of hundred slaves to make it happen and uh, that's kind of the conclusions we've come to. Plus, the geology is really interesting. And if you're born in Nova Scotia, you're well aware of this story, and you've followed it all your life. And um, so I started actually doing research on the island in 75. So I've been at it for a long time. And then I became a geologist with the Geological Survey of Canada. And that was my area, the whole Scotian shelf, to look at everything from the sea level history to the marine geology to the uh, glaciation of the region. And what are the facts behind all that? And I've published many, many papers that are in the literature on those aspects of it. And uh, so, um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Joy calls me. And, and I really think Joy Steele is probably the most knowledgeable person about the history of Ogon. There's nobody that I have seen that even comes close to her. She has studied this since she's been a little girl. She lives in Cape Breton next to the Beaton Institute that has a whole bunch of complicated files about what went on on the island early on. And uh, she knows a number of the people. She's good friends of the Blankenships. She has, she's, this has been her passion throughout her life. And uh, she approached me and said, uh, Will you, do you want to do this? And uh, well, I knew the pitfalls because I know that emotions trump science. Uh, we're gradually yeah. learning in this world that that's not a good thing. Right. Perhaps we ought to listen to our scientists who give us the facts, who've got no agenda and uh, really just want the truth out there. But anyway, that's how the public uh, generally receives these kinds of things. So you got you got into this uh, and and started to. So basically, for those of you who haven't read the book, how the reason one of the reasons why I want you to do so is because it is, I think, the only book that I can say this about where. You guys are coming at it from two different angles. You have two different right. authors doing two different research paths, right? That right. all kind of converge onto the same general conclusion. Right. I mean, she's coming at it from a historical perspective, like a research perspective, and you're coming at it from a scientific perspective. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, there's variance in that. And I went off when we couldn't uh, sort something out, and I went into the historical literature, and I got lucky. Uh, finding uh, some documents and, and uh, things that, that shed light on what she was doing. But she needed a geologist, and I really needed the historian to, to complete that story because that's what it's all about. So two quick kind of background things. Um, right. First, you're from Nova Scotia. You're still, in, you're still there. I ask everyone from Nova Scotia this question uh, that I talk to when you were young, when you were growing up, when you were going into school and then into college and all that, 
what what did Oak Island mean to you? Like, what was it important? Was it something everybody knew about? Was it was it kind of like an Area Fifty One thing down here, where like you know people just sort of laugh about it, and you know, I mean, what what did it mean? Uh, it was well known because it periodically appeared in newspapers and and uh, published documents around the area, so people knew about it. But most Nova Scotians are very practical, down-to-earth uh, people <laughs> on a coastal zone who've gone fishing throughout their lives. And I'm learning else. that. I'm learning yes. that as this goes on. And I would say that most people say, oh, those crazy people are back down there looking for that treasure. Well, good luck to them. And uh, they never really took it seriously. It's been taken seriously by many people around the world really know a little about our culture and our background right. and uh, even the geology of the area and how that can explain just about 80% of what's going on on Oak Island. It's 80% geology, 20% history. You know, my father is a Mainer. He's from Maine. And, right. uh, it's, and they're it's, very similar. They're very, I mean, everybody describes it's amazing. It's something in the air in the Atlantic, in the north of, north of the Atlantic. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But um, okay, for the layman, and, and that's me when it comes to geology, when we go into reading about Oak Island, when we start to learn about Oak Island and watch the show and all that, can you just, from a geological point of view, give us sort of the background of things we should know even going into this whole thing, like what the geology of Oak Island is really like and what it might mean for what we're seeing and that kind of thing? Yeah. It's unusual, but it's not unusual enough that people should think there's treasure there. So what happened was the first people who, who, who are, have the claim to finding or being interested in it saw a depression in the Earth's surface. They had no idea what caused that. They immediately went to, oh, it's got to be treasure. Treasure's buried there. And yet if you had a geologist who was trained back in those days, he'd say, hmm, that looks strange. That's a sinkhole. I better check around. And he would find out that the whole of Mahone Bay underlying it and on the adjacent land areas is limestone, gypsum, and menhydrate. And these are rocks that were deposited in an ancient sea many millions of years ago. And what happens there, they're prone to solution. And over the top of them, of course, the glaciers came many times, went back and forth, back and forth, deposited the materials. And you have these till hills, which are called drumlins on top of the island. But if anybody knew back in those days that there was uh, those kinds of rocks that are susceptible to solution, they would have said, well, maybe that maybe that's not a man-made hole. And they would have ended the story and would never happened. But they all thought and they tried to fit into the mold. Everything they saw was, well, this has got to be someone bearing treasure. Oh, look at the size of the sides of this hole. Oh, those are scrape marks from a, a, a pick. Everything they said, and they still do it today, is that everything they see is related to treasure, and everything I see is related to geology. Simple. And we've talked about this a lot on the show, where, you know, and I've, I've often used the phrase of like, you know, somebody who goes looking for Bigfoot or looking for ghosts generally finds some evidence of what they're looking for because they went for the purpose of doing sure. so. And right. it's sort of human nature, right? Well, it is. And they also lack the background. Um, I've been probably over the last number of years just amazed at the number of people who have an interest in geology, oceanography, the sea level history. Those I've been absolutely amazed. But I've been not happy with it. There a lack of um, uh, attention to the scientific reports. They uh, don't necessarily trust the scientists to do this kind of work. And they come up with their own ideas, which, which is fine. 
But uh, we don't do that in the medical world for the most part. I mean, you go to the doctor to have your knee replaced or brain surgery. You don't tell the brain surgeon what he should be doing inside <laughs> the brain and how the operation goes. And yet with Oak Island, we have a lot of people who sort of get on that bandwagon. And I know how they got enticed. They yeah. are enticed by the show who provides only limited information, a brief look at the things they've found and never discussed again. And so the public goes away and says, well, gee, i got to figure out what that is. And so they're stimulated to get involved by being part of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this is a reality TV drama. They do not write history books. They do not find, right, define right, history. Right. And that's okay. I have no problem with that. And I give them all the credit in the world for the, some of the new discoveries. I mean, they've dug up parts of the island that have not been explored before. And they've, uh, they've uh, brought to light some interesting features Unfortunately, a lot of them are never discussed again or never seen again. And, you know, everybody, including myself, says, gee, I wonder what that is. And then all of a sudden, in comes Joy, who is my expert. <laughs> and she has she's been through all of the files in the English literature of the period. And uh, she says, I know what that is. I got a couple of papers written on it. I've got the old reports. They were relegated largely to secret files because of problems with the economy and the king and the, the world domination of the British uh, military and wars that they were in the middle of. So nobody talked about anything. And these were in secret files. She got access to them. And so all of a sudden we see documents that say, oh, you must build this. You must build it that way. Here are the plans. Here's how you do it. And here's the reason why you do it. And all of a sudden to us, it's like, whoa, that makes sense. Obviously, that's what happened. There's there's no other explanation. And um, so but the show does turn up some new things. And I think that's great and more power to them uh, without giving it away. Can you expand a little bit, just a little bit more on the historical side of this of, of your book? Like. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't want you to give it away because some of it's incredibly fascinating. Some of it, I got to tell you, I look at and go, what am I? I mean, it's like it's 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 difficult to comprehend if you're not a research person who's seeing it all in your front of your face. You know what I mean? But can you just give sort of an just to entice the reader a little bit to keep going? What what it kind of is that you're getting at? Well, the um, the background history on it is that in around the year 1720, a few years before that and after that. The Brits had lost their supply of pine tar from uh, Sweden and Russia and other places in Europe. It was an essential ingredient of uh, shipbuilding and sailing at sea. You could not sail a ship without many barrels of pine tar on it because the darn thing leaked, especially if you went down to the Caribbean yeah. and you had to recork it, right? So that was a commodity they needed. They also chopped down every tree within within sight on uh, in, on e in England and probably on the mainland for the most part, and they needed spars for their 300 warships. Those are huge masts that hold those right. sails, right? So all of a sudden, they they need those things. So they come to North America exploring and see if they see if they can find them. And indeed, on Oak Island, they had pine tar kilns, and the show has admitted that. It was probably a British industrial development site and wonderful. That came out of the blue and just about shocked us when they admitted that because up to that point, <laughs> really hadn't said anything about it. But there are more than one pine tar on, uh, kiln on the island. Uh, there's tremendous evidence for it. And not only was the Brits doing that, but they brought with them a crew of experienced alchemists and chemists. They were messing around with all kinds of new um, materials. They were experimenting with making wire, ceramics, 
that whole suite of things. This was and all that, for naval purposes? That, no, no. This was for their domestic market to bring it home and sell it. They developed the South Seas Company, and it was part. They went in business with some uh, right. uh, people who invested in it. They brought them over. They brought their experts over with them, and they began to develop those kinds of resources. They also continued later on in Virginia. If you go down to Virginia and just read the history down there, it's filled with nothing but alchemy and thousands of tar kilns all over the woods. Yeah, and I down know. there, yeah. people have preserved them. The what is it? The baseball team is named after them. Yep. The hockey team is in every second street is Tar Kiln Drive. Right. So uh, I mean, this is this is not strange stuff. Yeah. But uh, then what happened the year after that whole market collapsed? Uh, the British went into a, a bubble, just like we had the dot com bubble, and uh, everybody lost things, and it was mayhem. People were committing suicide, being murdered because they had invested heavily in these things, and. Uh, through war and bad management, uh, the, the system sort of fell apart. So it wasn't long after 17, 20, 21, maybe 22, that they finally left the island. And um, there's a lot of geological things involved in this as well that precluded their success. You can't do this because this happened, you know. And uh, so we were able to marry those kinds of stories. And uh, the evidence is overwhelming, in, in my opinion, as a yeah. scientist. Now, um Again, I, I don't want to give too much of it away, but if we go beyond the money pit to yes. the geological scientific look, um, what do you think about things such as um, how sea levels may have affected things, the swamp, all the stuff we're digging up in the swamp and things like that? I mean, can you give us sort of a, a, a geological frame of mind for us to have in our heads as we move into yeah. this season? One of the things that I did in, during my career that I really concentrated on and, and many of my colleagues was understanding the post-glacial sea level history. When the ice glaciers moved across here, maybe maximum the last ones, the last glaciers, about uh, 22,000 years ago, of course, all the water was tied up in the ice. So sea level was down anywhere from, say, 65 meters in the coastal zone to 120 offshore. So we documented that uh, very carefully with thousands of samples and cores and dates and everything else because we were mapping the offshore continental shelf and the sea level position really controls the nature of the material that is there. So in other words, if sea level is low, you have land when the ice goes and then the sea level rises, well that land goes through the beach zone. So everything above say 120 meters becomes a beach. And then as the sea level right. comes up higher and higher, you're left with the gravels and the beaches, beach stones all well-rounded and sorted sands, clean sands, and even minerals, gold and other kinds of minerals. Right. So the bottom line was understanding the sea level history. And in the Oak Island area, the, the curves that we have uh, researched and published all over the place, anybody can find them, so that about 300 years ago, sea level was down about a meter. So the island was way bigger than what it is now. It was almost attached to the mainland. As a matter of fact, probably four or 500 years ago, you could walk to Oak Island. It was not an island. So sea level rose. And given that it's uh, their drumlins, two major drumlins, they're smaller ones. They're kind of like, say, like a potato-shaped <laughs> features of glacial material. And they're quite thick. You know, they're right. up to, uh, you know, 160 feet thick at the maximum. But so sea level rises. So they were never separated from one another. And 
However, they may be separated in the future if sea level continues to rise. The swamp is young. Swamp's probably no more than 300 years old, and they've confirmed that with some of their cores as well. No way a ship could get in there. Forget it. A big ship could not get in there. And that gravel bar barrier that's there was in deeper water. It just moves closer to the shore. And we have many examples of this along the coast of Nova Scotia. If you're a coastal geomorphologist, you know that that's the standard development of any coastal zone in Nova Scotia and including Mahone Bay and all the drumlins. Well-known, well-published, well-understood process. So that's the information. But it, it has been interesting, the things they found in uh, the swamp. And I would like to make this comment is that I have seen a lot of the shows and the new things that they find, but I have not seen one thing that is contrary to our understanding of how the island developed and that the British did it in 1720. I have not seen one piece of solid evidence. That that is that was literally the next question on my list I have in front of me was is there has there ever been anything that made you go, well, that's weird, that's strange, like. I, I, maybe I'm asking that the wrong way, but I think not not so much something that made you th doubt your your theory because uh, you've just answered that. But has there been anything where you looked at and go, oh, yeah, that is weird. You know, oh, yeah. lots, lots of things. We've seen lots of weird things. Uh, let's say just in Smith's Cove, for example, when they uh, coffer dammed and had the bump out coffer dam and they found that right. unusual uh, double pinned wooden structure. And then they dug deeper and they found out a great big rotary log on a great big uh, framework well below the level of sea level. Even back then, um, we're looking and say, what is that thing? Of course. Right. Well, he goes right back to her history, and she says, I know what that is. She said, that's a place where they were working with lead, and they were uh, uh, having the lead hang over big pots of probably vinegar, and they were making white lead, which was wow. a very powerful. So the Brits were making dyes. They were making red dyes, and they were, they were doing all kinds of what they called alchemy experiments because they just didn't have the chemistry background. So there were a lot of things that have been earth, unearthed that initially we didn't know they were there. Nobody knew they were there. But when we carefully assessed it, look at the data, look at the evidence, I mean, it's all pointing toward that, the actual construction of the features. And, and, and yet the sad part is that the show shows it. The next thing we know, they tore it apart and then it's yeah. buried and gone forever. So that is, uh, that is upsetting to someone who's interested in the history of Nova Scotia, particularly. I think the question that people will have from listening to this, if they haven't read the book, um, mm -hmm. is why is this is something like this lost to what we would call local history? Why is something like this seemingly, I should say that, seemingly lost to local lore? Like when you're reading uh, somebody in the 18, early 1800s writing the history of the area, of which there were a bunch of those, why would something only 100 years earlier be so left out, so out of these things? Do you want to answer that now, or should I tell you to read the book? Uh <laughs> no, I can ask that. Okay. Uh, I think one of the reasons the 1720s, a long way back, uh, we had lots of wars with the French and the uh, Mi'kmaq over here were involved with the French and they were attacking the British and uh, they were all claiming the land and treaties were being signed and, and, and modernized. Uh, there was a lot of secrecy. And so the Brits of the time, um, they, because of the in large investments in England that went into this, they just didn't really want everybody to know, but they called the files the secret. That's what we found in the literature was called the secret. And Joy had to use her special 
techniques to get into <laughs> those files to convince people that it was worthy to, excuse me, to look at them. And uh, she was able to do that. Um, but you have to remember now that most of the history of the Oak Island region doesn't start until around 1750 or so when Halifax was founded in 749. And then from there on in, everything is, uh, is open. Uh, there's lots been written and everything else. But the earlier stuff, no. And uh, as Joy would tell you, it's a lost uh, industrial techniques of, of antiquity that we have all forgot about. it. And there are some absolutely beautiful pen and ink drawings that you will find in the old literature in Europe and, and England about these structures and how they how they made furnaces and how they uh, how they cooked these minerals and how they crushed them and how they made them into dyes and how they sold them. And so there's all kinds of information. If you want to go back and spend the time and the effort, which she did, to find a lot of these things. And, and the other thing that I find uh, interesting, too, is in, in my research, um, I have shown that it looks like Oak Island had a major subsidence event. In other words, we believe that there are sinkholes all underneath the island, and we, we've published that and talked about that a lot. Most people don't even want to talk about it. But there's a big fault that runs down the top of the drumlin, and it looks to me like the whole eastern side of the drumlin dropped off into the ocean at some point. I would love to know when that occurred. Uh, it's entirely possible that that happened while they were there, and like they would have said, whoa. All our structures are underwater. What are we going to do now? Let's get out of here. It's not worth us to continue. The winter's coming. We don't want to develop it anymore. I, I don't know. The timing on that is not known. But that's a very clear geological feature that I've written about, and nobody else talks about it, seems to understand it. it doesn't, And it's because they're not geologists. And these are subtle aspects of the terrain development of East Coast geology that only a true geologist probably right, would right. understand and appreciate the implications. And uh, a lot of that hasn't happened. I think they look for simple things and can be explained and kind of leave it at that. Whereas there's there's some you know detail to what has happened on the island that that's missing in all of it. I, so I, yeah. I, yeah. I have to. I have to agree. With, I mean, I have been. You are not the first geologist I've spoken to. Yes, uh, no, you, Steve. But. Right, your your work <laughs> is not the first geologically based work. And let me tell you, I I understand maybe twenty percent of what you guys are talking about. You know, well, you know I can what? only imagine start. that people making film or making TV shows understand even less than I do because they're not reading this stuff, trying to get to the bottom of it. You know. We do try. We do try. Yeah, I mean, I know. I've had a long career of giving lectures and talks, many, many hundreds over my career, trying to explain to the, the average person um, what it all means and, and can, he, can he understand it in more simple terms. And most of these things that are complex can be turned into uh, a simple explanation that someone in their normal life can understand. And so we've tried to do that in, in our book as well. And uh, But there are a lot of twists and turns to the geology of the island. And it's interesting that as time goes on, 500 years, Oak Island will be two islands, that more sinkholes will form. You won't be able to build on the island. Uh, the sinkholes will be everywhere. Uh, you know, it goes on and on and on. Right. We can't project to the future based on the past history. So In 1795... What did Oak Island look like? Uh, well, as far as I know, back in then, it would have been, well, it probably was partially treed, but there were farmers on that island. There were lots of people. Yeah. On it. After Halifax was found, Lunenburg was found. They're just around the corner. So it's, it's uh, entirely uh, logical to think that they were using the wood supply and that uh, by the time the uh, British left in, I don't know, it was early 1720s, 
Uh, the uh, trees grow back faster on the island. It's quite amazing when you look at all the aerial photographs over the years. It's a matter of 10 years, you got another forest. Yep. And so it has grown, grown back quite rapidly. And uh, the other thing is, I mean, we, we dealt with um, the Blankenships and we dealt with Fred Nolan. When I was a uh, geologist for the Geological Survey, they made appointments and came over and spent the day with me going over their data. And it was really fun to do that. I mean, they would explain to me what they saw. And then I'd say, well, I've seen that a hundred times in the bottom of the ocean or somewhere else. Are you sure you really think that that's the case? And they say, well, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, Dan was very astute. <laughs> Wonderful guy. I love Dan. Yeah. And uh, I remember I spent a whole day with him. I couldn't get him out of my office. It was five <laughs> o'clock time to go home. So he said, I got to go back to the island and do some more dating. So he's going out the door. And he put his hand on my shoulder. And looked in my eye and said, Gordy, do you know what the treasure is of Oak Island? And I said, no, Dan, what is it? He said, tourism. So he knew back in those days, uh, uh, from all his research and everything that he had done, that was the conclusion that he drew about the island. And so that, that stuck with me. I can still see him standing there with his hand <laughs> on my shoulder. <laughs> Great guy. Uh, you know, I asked you before if there was anything you saw on the show that made you pause. When you look back and go through the history of the uh, of the dig, you know, of the searching, is there anything there that gives you pause? Like something like, um, I'm thinking of something like the ice holes that Dan Blankenship took pictures of, or even Nolan's Cross, or... Something like, does anything look at that and you go, well, this is unrelated to what to what this is, but it's it is fascinating. I mean, is there anything there that makes you um, that you can't explain or that took a while to kind of marry up with the story of all this? Simple answer is no. Dan, when Dan visited me, he came and he said, I have to show you this. He pulls out the pictures of the ice holes and said, what do you think of that? I said, Dan. That's warm water coming out of the bottom of the ocean because it's all karst topography. There's limestone and there's water moving underneath that island. I guarantee you that's what it is. So he said, oh, okay. So anyway, as time goes on, I got the data and uh, was partially involved in collecting it. And I wrote the paper on the interpretation of the offshore where those holes are. And guess what? There's pockmarks. There's holes on the bottom of the ocean exactly where he saw the warm water melting the ice at the surface and preventing the ice from forming. So there's the underwater connection. It's clear as a bell. No one would argue on that. The evidence is overwhelming. And it's not, now, it's not that unusual? No, no, not in karst topography areas where you've got limestone wow. like that. Standard practice. And then, uh, so let's talk about uh, Nolan and his boulders. Right. Uh, very interesting. Well, first off, the island is covered with about 10,000 boulders, okay? They come in all different sizes and shapes. They are the result of the last glaciations that went over there and left all those rocks on the island. And so I looked carefully at what was going on. First off, they're not all cone-shaped. Second, they are not uh, equidistant, as they have stated. And I know that three, I have the evidence that's so clear to me, they've been moved. So they've been moved numerous times. And uh, so that there's no – I could pick another, how about 10 crosses, a couple of birds and a chicken on the <laughs> island from the distribution of boulders, okay? <laughs> how, how do you know if they've been moved? I mean, you see, like, actual movement in the soil around them and that kind of thing? How about a trench leading up to the boulder? Well, there you go. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> that'll it's do subtle, it. But it's subtle, but there it is. It doesn't another, sound very <laughs> subtle at all. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There was another good one where Dan dug a big trench. He lit, or Sorry, uh, uh, Fred. Fred dug up so much of Oak Island and the land that he owned. It's not quite unbelievable. So he dug 
the great trench, which we call it, of Okan. And that's where he got the material to push it all out in the middle of the swamp where he drilled a hole, called it the fort, and put a, put a shaft down out there. So what happens is he's digging around. We can see all the tractor marks from his tra- – actually, I can actually see blade marks on the LiDAR data clearly, clearly defined that show that that's where his tractor went. So there's this great big hole, and uh, in the middle of the hole is one of his boulders of the – of the um, cross. So uh, that boulder uh, would have been removed and then later placed in the hole because he it's right in the middle of a great big hole. He didn't dig around it. I'm sure he didn't. Not wow. with the rat. And then the best one is one of the stones that's on the beach when uh, it's supposed to have been um, identified or placed or discovered. It was on land. Because the sea level was lower, and the shoreline went off there, and it was on land, and it was under the soil. No one ever saw it until three, four hundred years ago, and all of a sudden it popped out. So there's no way anybody moved that. And uh, so, I mean, the, the line of evidence for that being a valid cross is, in, a, in my opinion, is zero. Um so uh, we, we, I can do this all day. I mean, we, we can, I can go through all a bunch of different little things. And I know that after I publish this, I'm going to get a torrent of people telling me, why didn't you ask this? Why didn't you ask that? Why didn't you ask about the bones under the ground and the, this and the other thing? So I guess what I would say to you before I let you go is, what did I miss? Like, is there any of these things that stand out to you as maybe particularly frustrating for you as a scientist to uh, have to answer, you know, like Nolan's Cross. I'm sure you get asked about Nolan's Cross all the time. Yeah, Geology, sure. rock, there you go. We ask you. So, you know, is there anything I'm missing in that? Yeah. Okay. So what it is, what you're missing is, in our book, we tried to explain all of the features that were found. As I give you an example, down the money pit, there's a suite of layers. As you went down the money pit, you found uh, the so-called platforms of wood. Um, and then you would have things like a layer of stones, rounded beach stones, a layer of, of clay or putty. They called it uh, uh, puddle clay. And uh, so there were the suite of layers that were in the, the stone or, or in, the, in the shaft. So uh, I thought about it a lot and said, well, what could they be? I, I did think it was a sinkhole. The evidence is, is there and it has been moving over the years. The sinkhole has continued to, to develop. Um, anyway, so the bottom line is that's exactly the layering that one would find in a tar kiln, in the base of a tar kiln, how it's manufactured. So you see certain layers that they put down, and they then they put the wood inside on fire or partially on fire, and they extract the materials. Anyway, so there's all this material laid in this nice what I would call stratigraphy or the layering, right? So then, uh, so we present that, and th- that's evidence that uh, it, uh, the money pit was a sinkhole, or sorry, a, a tar kiln at one time. So everybody will come back and say, no, no, you're wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. So, but the bottom line is, I've given you the data. You, If you don't believe what I've said, then you explain how it got to be that <laughs> right. way. You, you just can't say someone's wrong, because I don't feel like it's right. I think it's wrong, or right. my gut feeling is, it's got nothing to do with it. Put those aside. You have to come up with a, an alternate explanation that deals with the facts of the story. And that's where most people will fall behind because then they just get mad at you. And uh, rather than stand back and say, well, I can't come up with another explanation, that seems reasonable. And uh, they have to deal with the evidence. 
as we have seen it and has been presented. And uh, Les McPhee and his books did a great job in releasing a lot of the core holes and boreholes. Unfortunately, the new series that we have been watching um, really doesn't publish any of that and, and shows things, and then we never see much follow-up on it. So we really don't know yeah. how much research they did and was it appropriate, was it enough, did they evaluate all the options, we're kind of left hanging. And uh, that's different from the first years. Up until the Blankenship years, he was very good at the end in releasing all of his notes, data, maps, charts. And, and the other one was is Fred. Fred had all these detailed maps, and I've only had a glimpse of them. And I look at those, and they are a gold mine for the show. They now have their work done. They have nothing to do. Just go look at what Fred did. Go in the woods and find it. Right. And uh, it was very accurate what he did. So he he has presented to them a, a huge amount of new information that they can have fun with, right? And the rest of us don't have access to that. But like I say, anything I've seen has not changed our story. Um, I, I think after the, the show where uh, they talked about the pine tar kiln, the line I had was those corks that you hear popping are in the living rooms of Gordon Fader and Joyce Steele. <laughs> um, and now I think, I, I feel the same way as we get, more and more as the show goes on we hear lines like the treasure is the truth of what happened here as if we're almost starting to position the viewer to knowing that we're not pulling the ark of the covenant out of this and i wonder at what point do we start going does the show start going down your road and start thinking there, you know, because you guys aren't saying it's just a sinkhole that you've all gotten wrong. You're saying so much more than that. You're saying it's also this fascinating lost history. Yes. Like, I mean, at what? I know this is impossible for you to answer, but this is the frustration for me. At, at what point does the show start going down that road to really looking for the truth? Well, we had hoped that the publication of our book would have stimulated them to say, "Wow, they got a lot of stuff in here." Maybe we ought to explore this a little bit. And they really didn't follow anything for a while. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you say, the night that they came out and said that it was a tar kiln, maybe by British industrial development. I, I, I didn't I didn't pop a cork. I ran to the bathroom and changed my underwear. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I was quite surprised by that one. Why would they do that? And then why would they not? Yeah. Uh, follow it further and, uh, and 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 the same reasoning and thought process that went into that could be applied to just about every other aspect of the things that they have found on the island like this road going across the swamp well Fred Nolan told me he knew it was there uh, Dan Blankenship I knew what that was there I knew that was there for years we're not really sure if it's really old or somebody used it as a modern road for uh, timber development taking it off the island right, we don't right. know. but the bottom line was they have they have the advantage now because they have this new information and they can do with it whatever they want. But uh, I'm not really sure why they choose. I mean, maybe they're afraid that they'll lose their audience. Uh, the charm of the show goes away. But, you know, but in my heart, um, the history of this island is spectacular. The Brits were not there just making a car tar kill on the left. Or nor did anybody come on the island, dig a little hole, and put a box of a few rings and jewels on the island and left. Right. This was a major event. It was probably the biggest first industrial development in Canada, my country. And right. that is a story that deserves to be told as appropriately as it can. And uh, that's why we are dedicated and devoted to seeing it through. Now, if someone comes up, if they dig a hole and find a big piece of treasure, 
well, I'm back to the book again. I'll go back and reevaluate and see what right. that have been. How can we explain that? You know what I mean? I mean, science uses whatever facts. Scientists never lie. What we may say may not be the truth, but we'll never lie about it. We'll tell you based on the evidence. And then if new evidence comes along, then we reevaluate our hypothesis and our theories right. and move forward, right? And that, that's kind of how it goes. But uh, yes, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure where they will go now, um, and how long it will end. It's up to them, and we have very little communication with them. And uh, so, but it is a fascinating story, and I, I think Canadians want to know about their story, I th- and that's why we're we're there. The last thing before I let you go, and again, thank you so much for doing this. Is 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 what's next for you guys? Is is this theory still evolving? Is there? Um, more to learn? Is there more to add to this? I mean, this is probably the second edition of this book. It was published first, and then well, for Joy's first book was her alone, and then right, I came and then the right, one. yes, yes. Well, the, the 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 story is we have the guts of another book already written. Okay, it is, it, but it, it elaborates on a lot of the things that have been found recently, and some of the new research he's done. Right. We still continue to do it, and we have new information. But we're not sure if we really want to go down that that road. Publishing a book is not easy. It's costly. Uh, it just takes a lot of people, a lot of editors, and uh, yeah. it's a very, very long, drawn-out process. And I and I guess even though we have found some really interesting new things, they really don't change the story in that second book. So how much would people be interested? The real diehards would want to know the details. I think the majority of people will say, well, they already did that, you know, so. Yeah, well, if you, if, if you don't get it published, just send it my way, okay? If you don't get it published, <laughs> just send it to me. I, I, I'll read it on my own. It's no problem. Uh, the book is called Oak Island Mystery Solved, the final chapter, Joy A. Steele and Gordon Fader. Sir, thank you so much for doing this. This was a long time coming, and I'm yes. g- thrilled that I finally got you on here to answer this stuff. That's uh, great. I'm pleased, too. Thank you very much. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Digging Oak Island podcast. I'm sure there are a lot of things in that uh, interview that you guys are going to want to discuss or uh, or talk about with me. Please feel free to do so. Drop me a line, diggingoakisland at gmail.com, and uh, we'll hear what you have to say. There's some really interesting, fascinating things, not only said about Oak Island, but also about the show and some other stuff on there. So I really hope you enjoyed that. Um, don't forget, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we now have a Patreon Um the, it's a monthly thing. It's like a $5 donation per month donation. I thought about it that way because, you know, we do about four to five podcasts a week or I'm sorry, a month, certainly during the season. So I thought, you know, a buck, buck 50, hope this podcast is worth a buck or a buck 50 each for you. Uh, and if you feel the need to, uh, you know, if you feel like you want to donate to the show, please, we do. Uh, we do appreciate that. Patreon.com slash digging oak island don't forget to uh, rate and review us uh if you haven't already with a five-star rating on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen uh that helps to get the word out on the show and brings more listeners in and thank you so so much to everyone who has already done that i appreciate you taking the time also if you have any questions or comments like i said send them directly to me digging oak island at gmail.com Warning, I always like to say, uh, if you send me something, I might email or re- respond to your email or message right here on a future podcast. In fact, I probably will, unless you tell me otherwise. So if you don't want me to read it here to everybody, uh, just make a note of that for me, and I'll do my best to get back to you. 
Uh, don't forget, follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Digging Oak Island. Give us a like or a follow there. That'd be much appreciated. Uh, it's a great way to follow along with the podcast and interact with other listeners of the show. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island. <laughs>